So, we just finished part one of a two-part interview with Raphael. He and his fiance, both expats from America, after a whirlwind two years of traveling and living in various countries, are now on a short break in America, planning their next adventure together abroad. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. So that, you know, speaking in terms of like being an American, tend to have our freedom. <laughs> um, even during COVID, people, you know, exert exert their right. When when you were told, hey, you know, you, you need to try to stay inside and, and right now, like like we're on lockdown and you're an American, I mean, do you think like that played some part and like played a role in you saying like, okay, well, I'm going to go across the street. It's not that big of a deal. Right. So yes, being an American does give you for some reason, less fear of the authorities, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and considering what the truth is, is like the police, we taxpayers pay for the police. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's a different mindset. It's not like in Argentina where the police are controlled by government. They're basically used as an army against the people, you know what I'm saying? Or against people that commit crimes. Yeah, it was definitely, like I wrote in an article, it, it was definitely a sense of entitlement that kicked in mm-hmm. and also a window of like, hey, I don't see no one in the store. The store mm-hmm. is open. I'm mm-hmm. going to go across the street wear my mask, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, make sure I'm not, I'm six feet apart from whoever it is. Go in, shop, and come back into the building. Mm-hmm. If I was a citizen of Argentina or a citizen of Buenos Aires where I was, I could see how, and I, I hate to use this word, but it is. it does feel like a more submissive culture, but it only feels submissive because I'm not of the culture. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So what's normal for them isn't normal to me because Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, like, look, the store's open. I'm literally just going to go across the street. It was just logic to me. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it it had nothing to do with like, oh, you know, F the police or anything like that. I'm just like, at this point, like, this is ridiculous. I don't Mm -hmm. see why I have to starve for another six hours to get food. Like, I'm just going to go downstairs and get it. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 even to this day, people ask me about it. I was like, no, I don't regret it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, anything could have happened, but I don't regret it. Like, this is, this is my life at the end of the day. I was mm-hmm. hungry. I needed to eat a need. And this is what it was. And I was prepared to deal with the consequences. You know, just traveling abroad is a, a big fight against fear. And if you're you constantly going to be in fear, then also traveling abroad really isn't for you either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you wanna, you gotta go out there and try these things. You gotta get lost. You gotta talk to a couple police. You gotta, you know, 
have your smartphone die in the middle of a country where you don't speak the language, but you know that your home is maybe like an hour or two away. You got to figure this shit out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And there's a, a lot of these things that are, you know, that make you stronger, like you being out in China and, you know, all the expats out there and, you know, the ones in Southeast Asia, you're all getting stronger by all of these experiences. So, mm. you know, you can't have regrets when you approach these things. And uh, I, I don't have any regrets to what happened during COVID, you know, mm. the other part to that, and I don't want to defend my behavior or anything mm. from people that consider it to be ignorant. But the other part to that was when that happened, it was the first week of COVID and Italy had just locked down uh, maybe a few days after that situation. So like uh, our country, they still weren't even subscribing to what COVID was. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, while I was just trying to go to a bodega, you know, or a store, mm -hmm. like America was in nightclubs, uh, restaurants, water parks, theme parks, COVID flaring everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, I was definitely in a different environment uh, compared to what America was doing at that time. So I knew that it was a low risk for infection. I knew I didn't have the infection. And I knew that the people around me weren't infected either. I knew that they were just taking care of like, is it naive? Is it ignorant? I, I can see how some people feel that way, but no, nah, man, I, <laughs> I did what I needed to do. That that was it, you know? Yeah, like, I yeah. Did what I, to do and I was fine. And, you know, I mean, because when, when I read the article and I and I truly thought like, gosh, you know, there, there are times here in China that I've been like, oh, well, in America, this is how I do things or this is how I behave. And it's, it's not that like somehow I've lost my mind and I've forgotten like where I am. It's just that because obviously I've lived there for so long and honestly, like, like that, the, that behavior is, is completely normal or that way of thinking or that way of talking or that expectation is completely normal to me. And it's not like I'm trying to just say like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to like do the opposite of what you're telling me to do here. But it's just you're used to a certain way of life, and although it it might not be the the right way um, at that moment, but you know that that's what you're used to. And you know, so when I read the article, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, you you made a mistake. You know, it it wasn't like you were trying to harm anyone, but this was like the the thought process that you had, and you know, so you went with it. And in America obviously it, it would have been okay. But in Argentina, people were like, hey, you know, you're going against what we were told to do. So, you know, you're, 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 you're being, you're bad. So, so we're going to call the police to like, make sure that like you do what everyone else says, not, not like, hey, you're being different and we're calling the police because we want to get you into trouble. Maybe more like, hey, you need to understand how serious this is. I, that, that, that's what I'm assuming at, at the moment. Maybe that, maybe that was their thought process at the moment. When, when you wrote the article, and this is what I had asked you before 
before we started the interview, like, how did it affect you? Some of the negative comments that were written, you know, people were saying, Hey, he's behaving like this. And how dare he, you know, use his American privilege or did, did that affect you? Yeah, it, it affected me uh, in a way of like, well, first of all, I was surprised at how hard they came at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was just like, wow, like people really are uh, aggressively um, attacking, you know, the, the author or, you mm-hmm. know, the person that wrote it, which is me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was kind of enlightening as well mm-hmm. to see how, you know, putting something out there could have uh, so much of an effect on people. Mm-hmm. and I, I don't know you know like the 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 writing aspect to speak to myself as a writer mm-hmm. I know that I'm a novice in writing my fiance she's more of a I would consider her to be more of an expert mm-hmm. and uh, when I asked her about it she was just saying that you know maybe it just wasn't conveyed how you, you know what I'm saying, how you wanted to convey it because mm-hmm. having a conversation with someone uh, as opposed to uh, something being written, uh, you, you're not delivering the same emotion. You're not delivering mm-hmm. a, a tone with it. So it's hard for people to, to grasp. The first few comments, I was annoyed. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, I also started to see that I don't think people were reading the story all the way mm-hmm. because the same comment was basically like, oh, he's being so ignorant. This is why I hate when Americans go to other countries and all that. And, you know, the first thing, the first thing I tell people in that article is I've been traveling the world for two years. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just some ignorant dude on vacation. Like I do have an understanding of the laws and how things go down in other countries and how to have respect for it. I wasn't painting graffiti on the side of a church. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like when they came at me the way they did, I was just like, I don't, I'm not comparing myself to a celebrity or anything like that. But I I started to see myself on like how words can get misconstrued or, you know, used against you in a way where that's not what you were trying to perceive. And I think I, I just learned my lesson and, you know, I have to do a better job at, conveying the message to mm-hmm. the story not so much on the sensitivity because mm-hmm. what what it also inspired in me is to really just continue to write exactly what I want to write mm-hmm. so if they thought they were going to like deter me it actually made me think of just continuing to be myself mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to writing pieces but do a better job study the craft a little more and hopefully i, I I mean, I will become better at writing, but just to convey the message that I wanted to convey in a much better manner, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. there were some comments that I felt were like really great constructively. And, you know, I, I when I went back and I read the article, it made me read the article several times, um, you know, over myself. And uh, I, I took the criticism as well. And I was just like, okay, uh, the next time I have to write something like this, like, mm-hmm. then this is the way that I need to approach it, you know, but my initial, my initial, uh, the, the, the work that's out right now, it was really meant to be like a, a lighthearted conversation with the message of like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we're, 
you know, America has given us this sense of entitlement yeah. as, you know, as Black people, but the reality of it is we're not entitled to shit in this country. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, you got one of the poorest countries in the world and they care if I wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's really what I wanted to convey. And I think I could have just done a much better job at it. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, you write like, um, what, what else do you do for, for work? Uh, so I was an event, uh, before I had left and mm-hmm. that's kind of like what I've been freelancing on. Mm-hmm. So I produce, uh, I produce events for like young professionals for leisure, uh, kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, not just parties, but more like excursions and trips, mm-hmm. uh, dinners, things of that nature, and also still do some corporate events where you kind of just like hired help or supporting roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done everything from coordinate budgets to hire vendors. Uh, you know, I have relationships with a lot of venues along the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of just freelancing since I came back. I still Kind of, I've been kind of living this travel lifestyle where mm-hmm. I just know like, all right, this is how much I need to survive the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. How do I make it? And once I have it, that's just how I budget my life, mm-hmm. you know? And then the other, uh, the other stuff I do is that I'm very much heavy into real estate. And when we were in Argentina, that's when I started wholesaling. And once I was able to leave Argentina, uh, we were able to buy our first property, which is one of the ones that I'm in out here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, the COVID experience was also a great one. You know, I, I did lose some family members, mm-hmm. but it also gave me time to hone in on this whole real estate and figuring out the type of life I wanted once the pandemic was was over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, you mentioned that uh, you did some work while you were in Thailand. How, how did you find that work? Wow. So Thailand and with, with most countries you'll find, uh, there was a Facebook group called Brothers and Sisters of Thailand. Mm-hmm. And before I had went to, to Bangkok to live, I signed up for the group and you go on that Facebook group and you ask questions and you uh, you try to get to know and meet other people and just chat with them before you go there, just so you have an idea of how to move around and how to get things done. I have a background in entertainment and business and nightlife, and that's how I introduced myself into the group. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people had caught interest to those things that I was doing. And uh, so it wasn't hard for me to build those relationships. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to Bangkok, I actually uh, got a client, uh, this librarian woman who wanted to learn how to rap for whatever reason. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she loved rap music and she wanted to be a rapper and she was living in Thailand for five years. Like these are the kind of like random stories that you would never imagine, mm-hmm. but it was happening. You know, I, I put her on a contract and I told her that, you know, for a certain amount of money a month, uh, I would teach you how to rap for like mm-hmm. two, three days a week. And I actually had her as a client for like about five out of the six months uh, mm-hmm. that we worked together. 
she managed to start recording before I left. Uh, so I, I put her on her way. And then another, uh, another gig, so to speak, I had was uh, I was interviewing uh, Thai students, you know, some of the Thai students that were able to go to very, uh, very prestigious private schools in Thailand, uh, international schools. I basically had to test them on their English to see if they qualify to go to an American school or, you know, a school in the U.S. or a school in Canada. Mm -hmm. So they would sit us in a classroom and I would do one-on-ones with maybe like 200 kids in a day, just asking them simple questions to see if they can hold down a conversation in English. And I basically decided their fate whether they were worthy enough of going to a, to a university, to a high school in America, or just taking more time to learn English before they can try again the next year. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in Are We Home Yet podcast and Twitter by typing in are we home yet pod where we share resources you can interact with our guest and you have a chance to tell your story as a former current or future expat and of course be a part of our community the social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the are we home yet podcast.com website as well okay back to the show Okay. Um, so you and your fiance have traveled together. How, how did you guys meet? And I mean, cause you were fortunate enough to like, you know, meet someone with this, the same goals that you have of living abroad. So how did you guys meet? Man. So honestly, like we met on OkCupid. I don't know oh, if you know wow. what that is. Like, okay. Yeah. So, and funny thing, she was I think she was in Hong Kong when I had met her and I was mm-hmm. typing to her. We didn't even talk on the phone mm-hmm. um, literally maybe two weeks before we had met. Mm-hmm. No, that's a lot. We never even spoke on the phone. We kind of just wrote to each other the whole time. Wow. Maybe for about, uh, we wrote to each other for about three months actually before we got on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely chased her down. <laughs> I was trying mm-hmm. to get with her. And then uh, my birthday was coming up and I had like a huge brunch uh, going on in New York City. So I'd invited her to my birthday. She said no, uh, and then, <laughs> but she gave, me her, she gave me her phone number for my birthday. I guess she felt like that was a gift. And I should have known from there what my gifts were gonna be like uh, moving forward, but, <laughs> but uh, no, she, she's great. But like, um, yeah, she gave me her phone number for my birthday. And then we chatted and then we went on our first date, like maybe three days after my birthday. And we hung out the whole day. Uh, literally what was supposed to be a dinner ended at like freaking five in the morning or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so that was cool. And then after that, we just always uh, remained in communication. And one of the things that stood out while when we were dating was this conversation of like, she was dating people and meeting great guys, but they weren't comfortable with 
her wanting to have this gap year, you know, or mm -hmm. have this, you know, have this adventure of mm -hmm. leaving the country and trying to live somewhere else, you know, mm -hmm. they, she was great on paper. That's where those guys wanted her to be. Mm -hmm. And I think out of, out of the guys she was dating, I was the only one I was just like, yeah, I'm totally down for that. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I, I knew that it was in my spirit, but I had never even considered how to manifest it before I met her. Mm -hmm. And when she said it, it, uh, it just brought something out of me that I was just like, yeah, I kind of always wanted to do that too. Like I never mm -hmm. really like, uh, spoken into existence, but you know, I didn't feel weird about it at all when she said it. I was just mm -hmm. like, yeah, I want to do that too. And I could tell she was still like, it, it made her interested, but I could also tell that she wasn't, um, she wasn't too confident yet mm -hmm. as to whether I would go, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we're still dating, we're still going on, you know, now our plans have to get serious and we have to put away like a little savings for our excursion abroad or whatever, however long mm -hmm. we're going to stay away. I also, you know, I have a son from a mar from when I was married before mm -hmm. and I have to tell him and his mom that, Hey, I'm considering, you know, taking a year to travel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my son's mom, she's, she was already from another country. So like she totally understood why I wanted to do something like it. So that was fine on that end, but uh, my fiance, she still wasn't sure, you know, until I like uh, put the funds together that we had all the monies and maybe up until I even resigned. I think when I resigned, she finally was like, oh, he's really doing this shit. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like all the way until basically the, the, the month we had to leave, she still wasn't like sold that I would go, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, I always reassured her, you know, while we were dating for those uh, two years, actually, while we were dating for two years, that I was going. You know, the only uh, stipulation I asked for is I, I hope it's the part of Thailand where it was still kind of like a city where mm -hmm. I could move around. You know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't going out there with a plan of teaching. Like, everybody was like, oh, yeah, you know, you just go teach and you make 30000 baht a month. And, in my mind, I was just like, I'm not doing that shit. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, was like, so I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm going to get there and I'm going to figure some shit out, you know? Mm -hmm. And plus, I had, I had money coming in from uh, the events I was doing in New York City. So, like, I, I wasn't, but I wasn't in haste mm -hmm. to find a career in, in Thailand. I knew that if I had this much coming in a month, that I would be all right. Or if I needed mm -hmm. to find something to do. I was already privy to the Facebook groups and she wasn't really on it like that. So I, I kind of had my own way uh, of going there. And I think everyone, you know, before you go abroad, you, you read about all the things you can do before you go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just confident in my mentality and my hustle spirit. You know, I'm, I'm from New York city. Like we we're known for making something out of nothing and like, just doing whatever it is that we need to do. And I knew in my heart, like if I speak English and all the skill set I've acquired, you know, growing up in New York City, I felt like I was confident enough to handle, you know, Bangkok and just figure it out, you know. And once I got there, 
a lot of the people reassured me that, you know, I would, I would be just fine. And I was just happy to hear that. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I just moved in my own essence and, and, you know, I made things happen. I'm not recommending that this is what everyone should do, but you know what I'm saying? If, if you put enough money away and you're confident, like you should just go, you know, mm -hmm. everything else is just coming an excuse at that point. Oh, I don't have a job or what am I going to do when I get there? Like, no. Nah. And, you know, part of the uh, excitement that I have to be able to write for Travel Noir is that, you know, to be someone that's actually traveled and had these experiences, it's mm -hmm. easy for me now, even easier for me now to inspire people to take the same leap of faith. And as, as I continue writing and hopefully I get to share my like personal stories of the things that I've done or I get to be on cool podcasts like this, Mm -hmm. um, I just want people to know, like, it's it's not that hard. It's not that serious. And, like, if you're sick of being treated like a second-rate citizen in America, mm -hmm. yeah, get the hell up out of here, you know? Mm -hmm. Go somewhere else. You know? mm -hmm. Like, the best thing about being an American is, is that blue passport takes us everywhere, Yeah, you know? So there's good and there's bad to everywhere. You know, I'm not saying that. Thailand is the most greatest place on earth. You know, mm -hmm. what works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, like, don't be afraid to take those risks. And I'm very, like, I, I want to be in the front of that community that says, you guys don't need to be, we don't need to be treated like this here. We can go somewhere else and mm -hmm. thrive and flourish and be just like the pilgrims. We can be just like those immigrants that take over a country, we can do those things ourselves too, mm -hmm. you know? So like, yeah, I just wanna uh, build confidence with our people and continue to show them that like, we don't have to live in this negative space anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And okay, and so, you know, when you mentioned like, you know, go abroad, I'm here in China on a work visa because, you know, obviously I came over with a specific company, but it sounds like, you know, when you went to these countries, you were on a tourist visa, which is fine. Lots of people go to places and they're on a tourist visa until they figure out like where exactly they want to go and, and how long they want to be there. Were there any countries where it was a little bit difficult to get a tourist visa or because you have an American passport, was it, like you said, pretty easy anywhere you went? The strictest company, I mean, the strictest country on the visa stuff is Thailand mm -hmm. uh, out of all the places I went to. But like I, you know, the advantage that I had and uh, I don't want it to discourage anyone from any other state, but I just happened to be from New York City. So mm -hmm. I had a Thai embassy and I got some kind of like multi-tourist visa where I can mm -hmm. be there the whole year. And I just paid for it up front, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I think after maybe three months or, yeah, I think after three months, I had to go in Thai immigration and get another stamp. And that was it. So I got the six month visa at the embassy in New York City. I paid my money one day. The next day, my passport and my visa were all together stamped. I just had to pick it up. Mm -hmm. If you have access to a Thai embassy in, you know, any of the major cities, or if you don't have access, you can always mail it in. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And there's always someone you can speak to, or there's always uh, something online that you can read about, and you just follow the directions as as clear as they state it. 
You know what I'm saying? Do not deter from any other direction because you don't want to, you don't want to waste any time or risk losing any money orders for any kind of money that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Thailand, I did have to do a border run at the end of six months, which is where you have to leave the country and come back in uh, so you can get a new set of stamps on your passport. So your three months can be renewed because you left the country and came back. Mm-hmm. And a border run happens, you pay some lady and you all go in a van and you cross over to, I think, the country of Laos or Myanmar or something like that it was. Uh, you wait there for like an hour and these soldiers come and they take your passports, people inside do whatever they need to do to get the stamps together. And now you're officially allowed to go back into Thailand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the most intricate experience I had of, with the visa. But you're right. Uh, there's there's other options. You could get a work visa. You could get a tourism visa. You could get a, a visa as someone who's considering to uh, start a business. Mm-hmm. You could also get a, re- a visa for TV and film. You just have to show those credentials and you're able to, you know, not get away with, but you're able to be in the country legally. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the European countries and uh, South America, the blue passport subscribes you to that, uh, I would say, the 30 days. Once you need to renew those 30 days, you can just go to an embassy and tell them, or you can do a, something similar to a border run, which in Europe is easier because you have trains that connect to different countries. You also have planes that can fly between different countries that are very affordable price. Like, you know, it's basically $50 from uh, France to Italy, you know what I'm saying? So if, if you have to show that you're coming in and out of a country so you can get your visa renewed for another three months or another, you know, 60 to 90 days, uh, there's ways that you can do it without so much, uh, you know, it happened to be a secret service mission. Okay. And so, you know, I'll just ask you a couple more questions. What would you say have been like the struggles and joys of being an expat? You know, I don't know if I could call it struggle. I feel, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to tell you this, like coming from where I'm from and like being from the Bronx, being from New York City, being Black in America, being Latino in New York City, mm-hmm. like all of those things is much more of a struggle than being an expat. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So like when I when I got to Thailand and there's a language issue, you know, you just fill that stuff out. Like everything, you can just fill it out. You know, we're all humans. We all we all really speak the same language. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's just coming out in different dialects, but the the body language and everything is the same. You know, you need to go left. You need to go right. There's food that you see. You can point to it, and they'll tell you the name of that food, and you repeat it, and that's how you learn languages. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you you indulge into someone else's culture uh for me to say that it was a struggle like man i I don't i don't really like yeah nothing resonates to me as the struggle Mm -hmm. uh as an advantage everything is advantage Mm -hmm. um you know i'm i'm being privy to information that i know a lot of people don't have uh i'm experiencing things that some people may dream about or some people 
don't even really know even exist. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I know if I tell someone that I'm, you know, I lived in Chiang Mai, they don't, they wouldn't, there's a lot of people that wouldn't even know what the hell a Chiang Mai is. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I just feel like, I feel blessed. Feeling, and in feeling blessed, I just, I, I want more people to know about these things. Like, I want everyone to know, like, you know, you're just limiting yourself to one place and you don't have to. Mm-hmm. There's places on this earth where they love who you are. They love your ideas. They're going to love your opinions. And you can go to those places and you can, you know, start a business. You can start mm-hmm. a family. You can start a life. You can, you know what I'm saying? You can create your own city almost. They invite your mm-hmm. whole family out and tell them like, yo, this is where we're migrating to now. I'm starting a business. You know what I'm saying? If you're skilled at hair, you know, you can do hair in Thailand because now there's a black community there or there's a black community in China I'm familiar with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? If, if you're good at rap, there's plenty of these people that uh, they would love to understand the history of American rap or what is it that they can do if, if you're a writer, if you're a programmer, you know what I'm saying? There, there's so many, like there's so many avenues, uh, you know, and with technology, it, it's kind of merged this world into one. So now you're not just privy to the jobs that are available to you in your city. You can do jobs in any part of the world if you're mm-hmm. qualified for it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And now you don't have to feel like, oh, I didn't get this position because I'm black or I didn't get this position because I didn't go to this university. No, if there's a position you want, now you can see around the world if you can work in that position. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of like uh, opening your eyes, broadening your horizons. Like your goals don't have to be limited to your neighborhood, to your city or to your state. Like now they can be much bigger and like, you know, the advantage of, of traveling is now really realizing that, yo, like there really is more to life. Like it's not what, you know, America makes it out to be. Like this is the only place where you could have the American dream. Like that's straight up bullshit. Like <laughs> your American dream is wherever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the, that's the real truth. You know what I'm saying? America's great for giving you that passport. Now it's your responsibility to go out there and use it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like what you just said. Yeah, it's your responsibility to go out there and use it. Like I have told some some other people on this podcast, um, when I was in America, gosh, I, I really thought I was so informed and aware, but it wasn't until like I left America and, you know, obviously lived somewhere else, lived here now, that I realized like, you know, and, and have met people from so many different parts of the world, not, not just because of the podcast, but just because, you know, like I live in an international city, you know, Shanghai, and I lived in another one before that, Beijing, but, you know, so many people from so many parts of the world that I realized like, wow, I, I really didn't know as much as I thought I did when I was in America. And, you know, the, the opportunity that, yeah, the, the American passport has provided me, uh, also being, you know, a a native English speaker from America and being able to, you know, have a job here. Like, so this opportunity has allowed me to really, expand what what I thought I knew into actually like now what I do know 
And, you know, now I know more about Kenya and Tanzania and Germany and uh, Italy because because I've met people from there and and had, you know, really in-depth conversations and, you know, learned more about their life and where they came from and and what it was like for for their parents and you know the the future that that they feel that 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 their home country has so yeah go out there and and use that passport don't just stay in america go out there and and even if you only stay in a place for a month and then you move on to the next place or for a few months, move on to the next place and, and just utilize, you know, the ability to uh, stay in a place based on a tourist visa, like still expand your horizons, expand, expand your mind, expand, expand your community, your, your network, expand your network of people that, that, you know. Um, so that, that's, that's really been my take on, on it. <laughs> on it. Um, so I'm just going to ask you one last question then. Yeah, you've traveled to all these different places. You're back in America. Really, it sounds like just for, you know, uh, just for a little bit, not for forever, because, you know, you've enjoyed living abroad, seeing the, the different places that abroad has available to live, you know, in case you choose to live in one of these other countries you visited in or visited. So, you know, what's your definition of home? Wow. Uh, my definition of home, you know, at first it was where I grew up, you know, my mom's cooking, mm -hmm. uh, you know, these kind of things where I can just go to a store and just, they know exactly what my order is. Mm -hmm. And now to me, that's like just the simple definition of home. I feel like home is wherever you want to make it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and I know now like home can be two days or home could be two years. It's all a perspective. Home is a mind, home is a mind state. You know, mm -hmm. we choose to decide whether something feels like home. Mm -hmm. So we'll go somewhere, we'll fight it, and we'll say, you know, I'll just give a quick example. I'm from New York, and I moved to Atlanta. You'll have a lot of people that have done the same move, and they go back to New York, and they say, well, Atlanta's too slow. And uh, I'm just like, well, nah, you just need to learn how to adapt to Atlanta, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, and, and, and make it work for you, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I can't go to... I can't go downstairs and get a slice at two in the morning, but I can buy a frozen pizza and leave it in my fridge or something like that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So it's more of a, you, you cultivate home in your mind and then you can, you can take all these things that feel like home and you can take them with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not home isn't a specific place. It's just, where you are in your mind like do you feel like you're at home you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and if that's how you feel yo who, who am i to say that you're not home yeah you know what i'm saying like if you're like yo i'm in china and i'm chinese now and i'll be like well you know what <laughs> like okay. all right we gonna be chinese today like that's what yeah. it is you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and, and you know in america too I don't know why people would feel weird saying that because now with the changes that America is going through with the, the gender situations and all this sexuality situations, hey, if, if 
if home is a mind state, I'm telling you, it is a mind state. Like, mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't believe that you're, that you belong or tied to all these things that come with your current situation. Like, no, you made a decision to be in that current situation. Now you can decide to get that out. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. I agree. Yeah. Home is what you make it and you don't have to stay in one place for the rest of your life. You can make a new home somewhere else and, and it could be a good home. Yeah. All right. So with that, I'm going to say thank you, Raphael, for taking the time to be interviewed by me on this podcast, Are We Home Yet? A podcast where expats talk about what it's like living abroad. And, you know, hopefully we're inspiring future expats to get out there and make a new home somewhere else. Have a really wonderful experience. So um, I'm also going to say, you know, like, I hope that all of my listeners and as well as you too, Raphael, I hope everyone has a great day. Bye now. Coming up, tune in to my interview with Colby from America, attorney and creator of a magazine called After Dinner Conversation, who's happily traveling the world as a digital nomad with his wife and educator. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.